right, good evening, everyone. How are we doing this evening? Awesome, let's stand up. We serve an amazing God. How many of you guys know that our God is not dead? He is alive, amen? amen. Let's sing about it tonight. So 
something for free he would he would not give the Lord that's something that would not cost him a thing he wanted people to know that what was for the Lord was the best he gave his all and that's what we need to do in our everyday lives we need to give our all this song we're gonna sing is called with everything so we're singing this tonight just to make sure that that when you're just communing with the Lord right now that you if there's something that you need to get right with him if there's just something that you need to re-edify to him just that you are giving him everything not just a little part of your life but everything amen praise god we worship you lord you are so good lord we give you our all tonight here we go Oh, oh, oh. 
everything, Lord. With everything, Lord Jesus. We lay down our lives. We bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords tonight. It's not about us just filling up a seat in the church. It's about us coming here and just growing so we can flourish in the courts of our God. Hallelujah. But we have to give our whole lives to Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Father, let it go on record. We worship you. We adore you. We love you forever. say this to you, church. Do you know that there are forces all around you that do not want you cutting loose and worshiping the Lord? Do you realize that there's pressure, demonic resistance, flesh resistance, worldly resistance against you and me cutting loose and praising God? Not feeling like praising the Lord is some warfare you have to deal with at times. When you look in the scriptures, the Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks and stones are going to cry out. I don't want any rock doing my praising for me as my substitute to you. King David, multi-billionaire, prophet, priest, king, amazing musician. He danced before the Lord so wildly as he was praising God that he got great persecution for it. But he didn't care. We really have to overcome this thing well. I don't know what I look like to others if I really cut loose. That's a hindrance to really worshiping the Lord. you got to get to the point where I don't care what I look like and I don't care what I sound like. Plus, you're in a place at Faith Heights Church. It's totally normal to go wild for God. Man, sell out. Worship Him. I just want to encourage you. Overcome that stuff. Overcome that stuff that's saying, well, it's not my personality to raise my hands and sing out loud. And I'm not really, I don't really have a good voice, so I don't sing friend, listen, you don't have to record, but at least sing, right? We may not give you the microphone, but you can sing. God doesn't care about every note being perfect. He just wants to hear from your heart that you love him, that he means more to you than anything and anyone. And in times like this, we need to just, in the middle of the week, we need to just say, you know what? I'm cutting loose. Lord, I worship you. You died for me. The least I could do is raise my hands for you. You went down to hell for me. The least I could do is raise my voice for you. Lord, you shed your blood. You did things your will was pulling you against that you didn't want to do, but you submitted, you committed, you did the Father's will. You gave us your life. You went to hell for us. You rose from the dead. You have eternal scars in your body for us. We worship you. We love you. And we thank you forever, Lord for all that you've done for us. So one more time, let's just lift up our hands and our voices and say, Lord, thank you. And in your own way, just say it. It may come out in other tongues. It may come out with the understanding. Either way is wonderful and great. They're both biblical and scriptural. Sometimes you don't have English words and it just comes out. Father, we worship you and we honor you. Lord, we love you. You mean more to us than anyone or anything. There's nothing in our lives that we can't give up for you, Lord. There's no person, there's nothing, there's no possession. We love you and we worship you and adore you forever, forever, forever. 
How's everyone doing tonight? <laughs> All right, I just want to welcome welcome everyone, but I want to welcome our guests specifically. So if today is your 
first day coming or if you came maybe once or twice before, um, we're so glad that you're here today. And thank you so much for coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rich is over here distracting me. <laughs> it's dance party time. <laughs> Anyways, if you are a guest and this is your first time or if you haven't already filled out an event form or a uh, guest sheet in the back of the chair in front of you, it's just a little card. It has a little bit, asks a little bit of information, just your name and phone number. It's just a way for us to connect with you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, it, and drop that in the office bucket when it passes you by. If you do that, you will be um, invited to a lunch with Pastor John and Carla. It will be on June 2nd after service on Sunday. And so that will be really awesome. Get to ask them all kinds of questions and connect with them. A um, couple announcements mm -hmm. here. There is a women's flourishing coming up this Saturday. It will be at 9 o'clock in the morning. So all the ladies, come if you can. There will be child care provided. Um, so bring your friends and um, it will be a great time. Um, graduation announcements is going to be on June 2nd. So if you're a graduate <coughs> high school or college, there's an event form in the back chair in front of you. Fill that out and drop in the offering bucket. And we'll get to honor the graduates on June 2nd. Uh, family fun day is coming up on June 9th. So after service, it will be uh, potluck style and a bunch of fun. We'll be outside um, playing all kinds of games and stuff. And we may have a little bit of fun too. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Keith Moore is coming on June 20th and 21st. Mm -hmm. So put those dates and times in your calendar so you can make it for that. And Joseph Morris is coming September 8th. So with that as a reminder, and I think that is it. Um, he's coming yep, September 8th. So, all right. Cool. Thanks, Julie. Good. Thanks. Whoa, that was amazing there. Thank you, Michaela. Hey, two things I want to say about her announcements. Uh, one thing she didn't say because she didn't have it on her notes, but. Um, Online and tight? Yes. Hi, everybody online. <laughs> yes. Hi. Everybody wave to the online people. Hello, online people. We're so glad you're here. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is we're going, we have a YouTube channel, and if you know what subscribing to YouTube means, you should do that because it's a really cool channel. It's the coolest channel out there. And um, you will get encouraged so much that you will explode and you will encouragement will go on everybody else around you so it's really going to be cool we, we're looking forward to getting more formal in this area and with church online and even the youtube channel and of course facebook we're live streaming on facebook tonight right right and we're, we're live streaming on church online and we're live streaming on church online too see our formal launch date for church online i believe is the second the second the first sunday, the first sunday in june when i say formal I mean, that's when we're going to have our camera person in the entryway 10 minutes before service, letting the people online see how they can walk in you know, from the front door and say hi to a few people. And then, it'll, boom, they'll hit the, the main service, and afterwards they'll do a few things too. So we're excited about that. And, you know, this is for people that can't be here. You know, we don't want to make it real easy for people just to kick back at home and not come because they don't feel like it. That's not what Church Online is all about. But there are a lot of people that don't even live in our vicinity that are e-members right now, and we want to be able to come to them in a more high-quality way. And they can have people over in their homes, and they can have church with us in their homes if they have no place to go in their town, wherever they're at, or the country, because people watch us from other countries, friends of ours. Um, they can do that and join us in a service. I know Daniel and Georgie in Romania is nine hours later, so if it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, 10, what would that be? 7 o'clock? 
at night over there, but if it's 7 o'clock at night, what is it over there? Four, four o'clock. So they're probably not watching. Probably not, and yeah, you know, the only ones that usually watch that early in the morning are those that just had babies. So that's pretty cool too. If you would please open up your Bible with me to two scriptures, Mark chapter eleven, and I want to stir you up tonight. You know, we really need to learn to stir ourselves up, but a lot of times when you go to church, the Lord helps us and stirs us up through leadership and things that are done through pastor and others. And so I want to stir you up tonight. I have a, a, a sense in my heart that a lot of us who have been going to church for a long time and been in the Word of Faith, I have a sense in my heart that we need some renewing of our strength. We need some stirring ups back into some of the things we used to first be excited about faith and love and the power of God and giving and receiving and tithing and harvesting and reaping. And so let me just show you here. You all know the scripture, but we don't know it like we ought to know it. In verse 24, Jesus is teaching us how to get results from God through prayer. And it's not just prayer, though. It's believing. So verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, And he's talking to every whosoever on the planet. If you're in verse 23, he said, whosoever shall do these things. So he's talking to everybody on the planet. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, do something when you pray. See, prayer is not the only doing that gets your results. There's something you got to do while you're praying if you want results. Prayer alone doesn't do much. If you're not believing, if you're not expecting, you know, the most you might get is some jaw exercise. And I don't know if any of us need any more jaw exercise. But he said, praying is not everything this verse is talking about. He says, yes, pray, have your desire, pray. But what do you do when you pray? What do you do the moment you pray and from that moment on if you want to see results? You have to do something spiritual. We're not talking about clenching your fists a little tighter. We're not talking about, you know, wrinkling your brow to try to get an answer to prayer. When he says, what he says here to do in addition to prayer is something spiritual you're supposed to do. If you want results, you've got to do something spiritual. You can't just pray physically. At the same time, you have to do something spiritual if you want results. And what is that spiritual thing the Lord's telling us to do? Somebody tell me. Believe what? Believe what? Believe what? See, a lot of people are saying, I prayed and I believe God wants me healed. That's not what he said in this verse. Fine thing to believe, but that's not what he said in this verse. He didn't say, believe it's God's will that you're healed. He didn't say, believe that God heard you. He said, believe you do something. Come on, this is where people miss it a lot of times. They're they're saying, well, I'm just believing God. I'm just believing God. Great, that's wonderful. But this verse says you're supposed to believe you do something. You do something. Did you see that? Believe what, Jesus? When you pray, believe what? Believe you receive what you prayed for. That's a spiritual act. A lot of people think they're ready to pray just because they have a need. You're not ready to pray until you're ready to believe you receive what you ask God for from that moment on. You're not ready to pray just because you have a need. 
you got to get ready to believe. That's why we encourage people. If it's not an emergency, if it's not something you need right now or you're going to die, take a little time. Find scriptures that promise you what you're asking God for. Find scriptures so when the devil comes, and he will, to get you to doubt so your prayer doesn't work, you can fire 10 scriptures at him because you've got scriptures to back up what you asked for. If it's healing, there's a ton of healing scriptures that prove it's God's will that every sick person on this planet is healed. You don't look around to see what's happening in people's lives to discern the will of God. Are you hearing me? You've got to go to the Bible to discern the will of God. Many people are not believing that healing is for them. That doesn't mean healing is not for them. Healing belongs to every person on this planet. The, the, the problem has been is a lot of people have not learned how to spiritually receive that healing and bring it through the transformer of their faith and mind into this natural world. People have not realized that there's a spiritual thing that has to take place while you're verbally saying something audibly. Lord, I ask for this, or I claim this. At that moment, Jesus said, if you want results, you have to do something with your spirit. You have to believe. You've got to believe down in here. All right, Lord, I've got scriptures. I found out in your word, this is mine. I've got three or four scriptures right here out of the New Testament that says that healing belongs to me. I believe I receive this healing right now as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice he didn't say, feel that you've received them. Well, I just don't feel like I received. That has zero to do with you receiving. <laughs> Come on, man. Some of the greatest miracles that will happen in your life is when you pray and just act like God heard you and believe you receive and something happens and you had no feelings at all. But a miracle took place. All right, so what did he say? Believe what? Whatever you desire, healing, deliverance, freedom, wisdom, strength, whatever you desire, if you can find it in the Word, it's a good desire. Whatever you desire, when you pray, do something spiritually. What? Believe you. Well, pastor, I prayed and I believe God's going to heal me. That is not what he said to believe. Pastor, now we know God is the healer. We know he's provided. But in this verse right here, Jesus is teaching us this is one of the best ways. It's not the only way to receive healing from the Lord or anything from the Lord. But it's one of the best ways. Whatever you desire, Jesus said, when you pray, believe you receive that thing right then. No physical evidence that your prayer was answered. No change of feelings. Circumstances still look bleak, but you still got to believe right then that you took something from the invisible world if you want to see it in the visible world. And you got to hold on. How long, Pastor? I don't know, but I know this. Prepare to stand in faith forever, and it won't take as long. If you have the attitude of, a, am just going to stand forever, believing I got this thing, it won't take as long. It's when we waver and we're wishy-washy about it that things seem to take a while. I can't think of one thing in your life or my life or anybody's life on this planet that this one verse of Scripture can't totally fix. Whatever you desire. Well, somebody says, well, Pastor, I have HIV. Well, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive. You desire healing of HIV? Believe you receive healing of HIV when you pray. And Jesus said, you shall have healing of HIV when you pray. Right? He said, believe you receive when you pray, and you will have. 
Now the manifestation of it may not be immediate, but that doesn't mean you don't have it. Right. We know this in the natural. You can order something on Amazon or wherever you like to buy from. Don't even know the person on the other end. Maybe not even talk to them. Just do it all online. And you paid for it and you get this little receipt in the email. Might even be a robot. Who knows if it's even a real person. You get a little receipt that says, thank you for your order. Check your email for shipping instructions or whatever. And what do you do? You go around telling everybody, oh, I got something. They go, well, let me see it. Well, it's not here yet. Well, what do you mean you got some? See, we believe we have things all the time before we see them because we trust somebody's word on the other end. You can believe you receive a healing before you feel better because you trust the one who said by his stripes ye were healed, right? Whatever you desire when you pray, Jesus said, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So here's the thing we got to see when you pray. When do you believe you receive healing? If that's what you're praying for or claiming. When do you believe you receive it? Before, right, when you pray, but let me put it another way. You, re- you believe you receive your healing before you have it. When do you have your healing? After you believe you receive your healing. Is that right? Did I say that right? When do you believe you receive your healing? Before you have it. When do you have your healing? After you believe you've received it. Do you catch this, church? Some people need to quit waiting for the manifestation and just believe you got it. Some people say, well, when I go to the doctor and get a good report, whoo, am I going to party? So what are you believing right now, then? Is, it, is, God word, is God's word not enough to party over? I submit unto you, God's word that says you're healed is more powerful than your body being healed. Because that's a physical manifestation of an eternal God who spoke these words throughout all eternity. And you've got to watch out about when you start feeling better because you've latched onto something through faith in God. You've got to watch out about going to believing you're healed because you're feeling better than believing you're healed because God said by his stripes, Jesus stripes, you were healed. You've got to watch out about switching from the spiritual to the natural. Because just as soon as you do that, the enemy knows he can throw a counterattack your way and you'll probably fall for it. I wanted to stir you up in this tonight, guys, because this, this is one of the scriptures this church has been birthed on. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. What does that leave out? Now, you can't go desiring something that's sin. You can't go desiring something that's beyond your faith. You can't go desiring something that you can't find scriptures to back up. But whatever you desire concerning what you can... And this, this is like... I mean, how many thousands of promises and, and New Testament facts are in this book that you can claim and pray for? There's so many of them. And so you don't have to wonder or wish. You can find scriptures, know what God said, believe you receive... And the, the, y'all, you're probably going to need to meditate on the scripture a little bit more because a lot of people still, I, I preach this for 30 years, and I still hear people talking like um, they're not going to believe until they feel better. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get happy until things change in the outward. we we got to watch out about that because <clears throat> Jesus is telling us to, to take action before anything changes if we want to see the manifestation of what we're praying for. I know that's a kind of a over some people's head message, but you're here on a Wednesday night. That should go right into your heart because 
If you're here on a Wednesday night, you are not, you are not playing church. I can tell you that. All right, let's go ahead and receive our offering tonight, and we can um, move forward. Don't faint, church, in your stand of faith. That's what I want to say tonight. Don't faint. Don't faint. What do you mean? Don't stop believing. Is there a song? Don't stop believing. I, the only the only phrase I don't like in there is hold on to that feeling. Feelings have nothing to do with faith. So sorry, Steve Perry, Journey, whoever that was, but anyway. Um, I like the tune. I like most of the lyrics, but I don't like that one lyric. Hold on to that feeling. Why would you want to hold on to a feeling when you can hold on to the Word of God? You hold on to a feeling, I guarantee you are ready for a roller coaster ride. You're going to throw up and everything. It's not. You hold on to your feelings. You go, oh, oh, ah. You're going to be all over the place. You need to hold on to the Word because His Word, Jesus said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. So you hold on to the Word and you'll be on solid ground. Would you like to sing that song for us with a... No. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Come on. Come on forward, Carl. Please get your offerings ready at this time, church, and we'll worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And I, I encourage you just to, just to slow down now and just really look to the Lord. Father, <clears throat> actually, I'm sorry, before we pray, up on the screen, I, I should have said this earlier. Those are the ways you can give. I'm sure you could read that for yourself. <clears throat> Take your time if you're not done yet. Um, let's go ahead and thank the Lord and if you're continuing to make out your, your offerings that's fine Father we thank you for the privilege to be in church tonight to hear words from heaven to be stirred up in the areas of faith Father we thank you for helping us to receive better from you we thank you for helping us to understand these things thank you for quickening us on the inside Thank you for showing us things that might benefit us and others. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege to tithe and to give offerings to you tonight in this place. We do these things because we love you and we love your church, your body, and the people your church is reaching out to. Father, we tithe and give offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say our confession tonight. Faith Heights Church is packed out and paid off. And we call every debt reduced and eliminated. We are getting our lands, buildings, houses, vehicles, and equipments. God is bringing into our hands seed, even some great big whopper chunk seed. It's happening. Amen. You can be seated, church. Our sign is coming right along. I want the whole church to know. I think it's in the aging testing stage right now, whatever that is. I guess they're doing some tests on it to make sure it lasts a long time. So, um, And then after that, I'm, I'm sure it'll be on the, the truck very soon, and you'll see it out here within a week or two, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm, I don't know why it would be any longer than that. Are they shipping it all in one piece? They have to be. Yeah, I don't think I mean, it's all welded together yeah, now, right? It's like 12, 13 feet tall, probably weighs a couple thousand pounds. I probably won't be in a pickup truck, but <laughs> these guys are professional. They do stuff for NASA. They do signs and LED signs for NASA, so it'll probably be on a big semi or something. 
it'll get here all. We prayed over it and we believe it'll get here in good shape. You can agree with us if you'd like to. Turn to Matthew 6, 24, and we'll read a few verses here. And, um, and Debbie, don't worry. I know you're not going to worry because we don't worry in our church. But um, don't be concerned about having all the scriptures I gave you tonight because I gave them to her kind of late. So Matthew 6, 24. I want, to, I, want to, I want to read into our main text tonight and kind of back up a few verses to get a context here. Our main verse is verse 33, but let's read from verse 24. Jesus is doing some amazing teaching right here. He says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon here is translated money. He didn't say you can't have money. The problem is when people serve it and put money before God and His things. This is the problem. Not realizing, as we read here in a few verses, that if we will put Him first, He'll get us all the money we could ever need or want. It'll be added to us. Not that there's no work involved, but there's a supernatural element to it. And God's behind these natural things, bringing good your way. But I want you to notice, He didn't say you can't have money. You can have a billion dollars as long as you don't serve it and you put God first. God will help you get it if you need it. He'll even help you get some things you want just so you can have some more fun in life and be a witness to others how good your God is. I guess I better quote that scripture to you because the Bible says God richly gives us all things to enjoy. Thank God for things to minister with. We need to be believing for those very important things. But He also wants us just to enjoy life. And to show others that it's really good to serve Him. Alright. So, it didn't say you can't have money. It said don't serve it. Alright, verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Now the original reading of this in the Greek is take no anxious or worried thought for your life. You've got to think about things. The Lord knows that. If you read the context and you read this in the original and some other translations, He's saying take no anxious, worry, or fearful thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now the Lord says what? Behold. Behold what? Behold the fowls of the air. I mean, no, if we're going to obey the Lord, (laughs) this time we need to do some bird watching. Why? To get our perspective, to get our thinking straight, to get cobwebs blown out of our, our mind or whatever. There's times we just need to go look. And you know, those birds, God has provided. I've never seen a skinny bird. I'm sorry, I just never have. Um, these birds are provided for, and they're not even made in the image and likeness of God. And if God did that for birds, why would we ever, ever worry about clothing or food or any of the necessities of life? Why? If he's going to take care of them, he's going to take how much more? How much more is he going to take care of his kids? Now he says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Uh, verse 26, behold the fowls of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, are taking anxious, worried thoughts? And here's a revelation right here. In order for a thought 
to get into you, you have to take it. Mm -hmm. Just because a thought's presented to you doesn't mean you took that thought. You know when you take it. You hang on to a thought of worry. You start talking your worries, right? You start saying, what am I going to eat? You know, really saying, what am I going to eat? And how are we going to get our babies clothed? Saying that in a worried attitude is taking something that the enemy presented to you. You don't want to take anything the enemy is presenting to you. Jesus said, don't, the revelation is this, you don't have to take any thoughts just because they come to your mind. They can bounce off your mind just like you bounce off a trampoline. I mean, you can just, you, as soon as, it, see a lot of people think, oh, what, well, I'm thinking those thoughts, for, that may not, it may just be the enemy presenting them to you. Don't, don't start dwelling on what he's bringing your way. Let it, do, bounce it off of your life. What are you going to do about the payment coming up? Bounce. God's going to take care of me. I'm going to, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to know what to do. He's helping me. So, <clears throat> don't take any thought or don't worry about anything because which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Has worry done anything good for anybody that you know of? I can tell you a lot of people has done something bad for. Sicknesses and things have developed in people's lives and marriages have been destroyed because worry got to a certain level and it crushed them. But now notice, why do you take thought for raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, they don't they don't toil and they don't spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, the richest man in the world, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is in existence, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So what's he saying here? He's saying here that if we would let him, he will deck us out even more beautiful and glorious than Solomon are the lilies of the field, because they are even more glorious than Solomon in all his glory. If we learn some of the things the Lord's talking about in this chapter here, God will not only deck us out with the necessities of clothing, He will see to it that we have the best in every area of our life. What, what kind of a father do some people think God is, that He wants them poor and, and struggling all their life? That, that, you know, if God was what a lot of church people said He was, He'd be on trial for child abuse tomorrow. God would be on trial, according to some people's perception of God. You know, in this area of sickness and disease and making people sick. And, and well, you know, if you're really going to be godly, you're going to be poor and you're going to be struggling, you know, because he wants you to suffer. And people got their suffering mixed up. They got their praying mixed up. They got all these things mixed up. You need to read the Bible and find out and realize God is your father. And I know I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to somebody else later. God is your father. And he's the best father in the universe. So all you have to do at times is say, what would I want for my child? And then realize that's what God would want for me. How many of you ever had the thought? And if you did, you need to get help. How many of you ever had the thought, you know, little Susie is being really rebellious. She's not cleaning her room. She's got an attitude. I'm going to put a little poison in her cereal this morning. Get her sick. Not enough to kill her. Just enough to make her sick so I can teach little Susie something. What would that be called? That would be called social services coming to your house, ASAP, and probably taking you away somewhere. Child abuse. Jesus said, if you being carnal, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should your Father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? This is something that people don't realize, but until you realize that your God is your wonderful, loving, awesome, heavenly Father, your prayers won't work right. Jesus said successful prayer starts off like this. Our Father. You know, remind yourself, oh, the one I'm praying to is not just God. The one I'm praying to is my Father, God. And what I'm asking Him for, He wants for me a million times more than I want it for me. And He's already made provision for it. See, when you start saying our Father and realize what that really is, you're in a position to receive answers from from God because... The enemy is constantly trying to get people to think that some of these bad things that are happening are some mysterious plan of God in some mysterious way he's trying to teach you things. My response to that is, because it's ridiculous. Yeah, Pastor, but I know somebody who learned some really good lessons when they were sick and on the bottom and about to die. I know some people that learned some really great lessons. Wonderful. How many think those lessons could have been learned before that bad thing happened? By just going to the Bible, going to church by discipline, praying because you know it's the right thing to do instead of waiting for weird heart symptoms to start praying and putting God first. See, I put it like this. Sickness is not God's way of teaching, though at times it may be man's way of learning. Universal difference between the two. Sickness is not God's way of teaching, though at times it's man's way of learning. Simply meaning, if man's going to wait till they're sick before they look to God and look up and start receiving help from the Lord and revelation and knowledge from the Lord, that's man's choice, not God's method. Amen. Read on here, church. It says in verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Two things he's talking about here. He's talking about worry, and he's talking about faith. Now, he's, right now, it's in the form of little faith. Because worry and little faith are like synonymous terms. Worry will clog your faith more than anything. And, let me say this, let me say this, if the Lord told us, don't worry saying, what am I going to eat? How are we going to make this car payment? You're disobeying the Lord by saying that. And then you wonder why prayers aren't working. You wonder why things don't work. If the Lord, did he not say that? Go back. Because some of you are looking at me like I'm saying something the Lord didn't say. <laughs> look, look here. And, um, oh gosh, he says, huh? In 31, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? So if we start saying in a worried attitude, what am I going to eat? How am I going to make this car payment? What are we doing? You're doing what the Lord told you not to do. And anytime we do something the Lord tells us not to do, we're clogging the blessings, not Him withholding. And I found this out, that worry, and we did a whole series on this, worry is... uh, let me put it this way. The words, don't worry, that the Lord said and, and Paul said and many said. The words, don't worry, are not a comforting phrase to comfort you in your misery. No. <laughs> they are a commandment from the Lord if you want to see results. Right. Let me put it this way. When the Lord said, don't worry, if he said, don't worry, and you say, I can't help it, 
then either the Lord lied to you or you're going by your feelings or something. Right? Did the Lord say, don't worry because everything's going to be all right? Or did he say, don't worry so that everything can be all right? I mean, you read Paul's uh, letter to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. He said, before you pray, number one, don't worry or fret or have any anxiety about anything. Everybody say number one. You can't jump over this first principle of effective prayer if you want your prayers answered. Number one, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. But, Paul said, in everything, by prayer. And supplication, let your request be made known to God. And he said the peace of God would come on you and everything would become well. Things would get right. So if you pray a worry prayer, you're praying something and at the same time hindering it from happening, from working. Well, that doesn't work. No, Jesus said don't worry so that things can turn out all right. See, we, t- we say it just kind of, oh, don't worry, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. Like, like, it's okay to keep worrying, but try not to. And, and think. No, if you really want results, Jesus told a man whose 12-year-old daughter just died. He told that man, he said, because he was going over there to heal her, but now the servants came and said, Jairus, leave the master alone. She just died. And the Lord looked at Jairus, the daddy of this little 12-year-old girl, and said two things. He said, be not afraid, Jairus. You just heard your daughter's dead. I'm sure they didn't lie. You know him. She's dead. Be not afraid. Only believe. Now, you can't just jump to the only believe part. Be not afraid is just as much of a word from God to you as only believe. And here's the cool thing. You can feel worried, but not act on it. You can feel worried, but not talk it. You can feel worried, but not be worried. And this is why people need to study spirit, soul, and body. Because if you've never studied spirit, soul, and body from the scriptures, how man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body, a three-part being. If you never study, you're going to think what you feel is the biggest part of your life. And, the, and that's what mostly you is. No. Feelings are the outward. The inward man on the inside can be anything you want to be. Right? You can be glad and feel sad at the same time. And if you'll be glad you got a thousand reasons to be glad. Feelings will follow what you be. <laughs> right? What you feel is not nearly as strong as what you am. Or, or, you get my point. Let's finish up here. For all these things, okay, excuse me, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? So what are we supposed to do? Don't say those things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So now the next verse, you ready? The next verse, he's going to tell us how to get all these things we've been worried about getting. Right. Okay. Let me tell you how not to get them. Worry about it. Okay, let's just establish that right here. How not to see your needs met. How not to see provision that you need. How not to see it is worry about it. Worry about it happening or not happening. Worry about it not happening. Worry. If, if you don't want to see increase in your life, then worry about not getting any. Can, I, can we say that? If you don't want to see increase in your life, then worry about not getting any. 
Talk your worries. Act your worries. That's how you cut God off from helping you. Not that he can't do anything for you. I'm not saying that, but worry clogs the pipe. But how, so how do we get these things in our life that we've been worried about not getting? He tells you right here. And I want you, I want to say this, church. Really, it doesn't even mention the word praying for them. Although we know seeking first includes praying, but listen, this is the answer. Next verse. But all these things the Gentiles are going after, you know, aging prematurely to get, getting ulcers in their stomach to get, stabbing people in the back, compromising their faith. All these things the Gentiles, the non-Christians are going after, all these things they're getting. He said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things they're going after. And all the things you need will be added unto you. That's supernatural. It's really cool because if you're really going to put God first, you don't have time to go after these things. So what does it all come down to? It all comes down to seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you is simply a I trust God to take care of me while I'm putting him first mm-hmm. and not just doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he will lead you. Oh, he will lead you in business. He will give you knowledge of witty inventions. He will increase you out there in the workforce. You, you can see amazing things. And, and here's the thing. The devil tells people, if you really seek God first, you won't like it. You will not like that lifestyle. It's too hard. It's a little bit boring at times. Um, You can't have any fun. That's the devil. If he can get people convinced that you won't really like putting God first, then you probably won't do it. Can I just burst that bubble right now? Who doesn't like all these things being added unto them? Who doesn't like God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Who doesn't like if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land? Who doesn't like what Job said in Job 36? If you obey and serve him, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Who doesn't like that? See, the devil's a liar. Sometimes you just got to open up your Bible and tell the devil, we're having a Bible study right now and you ain't leaving until I'm done. <laughs> and get him to where he never wants to come back in that area. Right. But this is so amazing. So, so the devil tells people, you're not going to like seeking God first. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. That doesn't jive with your career. That doesn't jive with those dreams on the inside of you. Oh, let me tell you this, church. Putting God first doesn't destroy those good things. It enhances those good things. But now here's, here's the key. You ready? Here's the key. A lot of people don't understand what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If they understood it, they would realize, wow, this fits perfect into everything I thought I wanted in life. This fits perfect. Carrie Fisher, the Princess Leia on Star Wars, I read a book, I have a book at home called What Hollywood Believes, and it has all these uh, interviews with all these celebrities about what they believe in God, Jesus, and all this. And Carrie Fisher said, and I wrote this in my book that I wrote, I quoted her, she said, you know, all this whole thing about God, he says, I, I don't know if I disbelieve that there's a God out there, but I got to thinking about my life and my career. I just don't think God would fit into my life. I just, he seems a little like, uh, kind of like a little old-fashioned or something. I thought, Carrie Fisher, 
Princess Leia, I thought you were smarter than that. To rule as a princess and you, you, come on. And I thought, man, she's messed up. She, she didn't get the right teaching or something. Yeah, there'll be some adjustments. Of course, there'll be some things turned upside down. But your deepest heart's desire. You know what? You could have all the money you ever dreamed of. And if God's not first in your life, there'll still be a gray cloud that follows you everywhere you go. Ask Jim Carrey. He's the one that said it. Jim Carrey said, I wish everybody in the world could be rich and famous so they'll realize that's not where it's at. That's not what satisfies. I think that's what he said. That's not what satisfies. Jim Carrey. Even he got it. I wish everybody in the world could be rich and famous so they'll realize that's not what satisfies. <laughs> now, let's read that verse 33 again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So let me just say all these things I can say in the last five or six minutes here. Um, he didn't say, but seek ye only. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because, see, that's what the enemy will do. He's trying to make you think he meant this is everything. And don't get me wrong, God is everything. But he knows you've got other things to do in this life to function, to be a, you know, an asset to society. You've got a family. But even sometimes in those areas, you have to make tweaks. Because um, I think next week, if we have time, I, I feel like we can go a little deeper on Wednesday night. But there's been some questions about, is it God or family first? And Jesus addresses this issue. Paul addressed this issue, this issue. How to balance family. How to balance God. The things of God. Which be church and home stuff. The things at home and all that. There's some real interesting revelation here. Because Paul had to deal with it in 1 Corinthians 7. He actually. You're talking about putting you know, God first. And how if family's first. God's not. You know that type of thing. And, and discerning what's the things of God. What's the family things. Paul put it this way. This is real heavy. But Paul said. Those that are married. Be as though you're not married. Interesting. And he wasn't saying, don't, you know, be to each other what you're supposed to be. Husband be to the wife what you're supposed to be. Wife be to the husband. He didn't. But what, if you read the next four verses, he says, the reason, he said, I'm not saying this to cast a snare upon you. I'm saying this so you can serve the Lord without these worldly distractions that everybody in the world's making excuse for is why they can't go to church or do the things of God. That's what he's saying. How many know our marriages are different than the world's marriages? Hmm? I am not everything to Carla. She is not everything to me. If she was everything to me, what's going to happen if she leaves the earth before me? I am going to fall apart. Do you know why some people fall apart? Because they put another person in the place that only Jesus could handle in their life. And when that person betrays you, doesn't want you anymore, or dies, you fall apart because they were Lord to you. They were everything to you. How many know the Lord knew what he was talking about? <laughs> I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I mean, you think about it again, the whole entire planet is in a fallen state today because Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says God told Adam, hey buddy, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but this tree right here, the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of that tree, 
you're a goner. You die. And he did. He died spiritually when he ate. But you go to Genesis chapter 3, and Eve is like talking with the serpent and getting all deceived and letting her desires run wild and not controlling herself. And she eats of the tree she's not supposed to eat of. She gives to her husband, and he eats. What did he do? He put his wife above the Lord. He put what she wanted above what God wanted for his life. And the whole entire planet got plunged into a mess and we're in a fallen world today because a man violated the first principle. Which is God first. A lot of people do what God wants them to do and puts God first when they're in agreement with what he wants them to do. <laughs> Let me read you a couple things here. Some people don't mind putting God first until they don't want to put him first. Right. What's that called? That's, not, that's called not putting God first. Right. <laughs> you, you really find out if God's first when it's difficult to put him first. Kind of like love. I mean, how is Adam and Eve going to know they really love God if there's not an option to not love Him? Right. Why is there a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Why did the Lord do that? Adam and Eve needed something to prove their love toward God against. This temptation, this desirous thing. Why did God even put the tree there? Because Adam and Eve needed to see and to know I love God even though something else may be pulling on me. I love God even though something else may be tempting me. How are you going to prove you really love something if you're never tempted not to love Him? Hmm? You know, a lot of this life right now is we're just, we're, we're being trained. We're going to be ruling and reigning with the Lord a thousand years before, and, and then after that's done forever. And you do, you, there's got to be some training for reigning in the next life. I mean, do you ever wonder why the Lord left some of these demons around? Hasn't taken, taken care of them yet? I think one of the reasons is because we needed something to prove our love against. When he comes saying, hey, do this, we say, I love God more. I'm going to do what the Lord said. All right, so let me read a couple more things and we'll close here. Some people don't mind putting God first until they don't want to put him first. And there's time that's going to happen. Um, I, I know some people don't like this scripture, but let's look at it. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah, you with me here, church? Turn with me to, we'll, we'll finish up with this one. Um, I think it's Luke 14. Luke 14. And this will probably take us into some things we'll study next week. Um, if you had a little hard time getting to church today, it's probably because this is such a life-changing message. Yeah, Luke 14. And I'm going to look at verse 26 out of the King James, and then we're going to look at the contemporary English version. And we'll, we'll close with this here. Uh, I may quote just a couple more things, but... Um, you ready for the King James? If you have it, Debbie, the King James would be fine. If you don't have that one, you can put the other one up there, either one that you have. Um, Luke 14, King James Version. Jesus said, If a man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren 
and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be. Now, he didn't say you can't be saved. We're going a little beyond just sliding into heaven. You can't be my disciple. Now, you probably wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you weren't disciple material. Right. So we know he's not saying hate in the sense John said in 1 John, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know, you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There is a hate that you've got to watch out about. But this word can also be translated. It's, I forget how you pronounce it in the Greek. I looked it up earlier. It can also be translated love less. Love less. If a man come to me and doesn't love less his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> Look at the contemporary English version if you have that one, Debbie. Did you find that one? Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, and your brothers and sisters. You cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Now, how are you going to know if you love the Lord more than your children? How are you going to know? Where's a proving of that? How do you know you love the Lord more than you love your spouse, or you love your mother, or father, or father's your children. How do you know? You're not going to know until, until your love for family is competing with your love for God over a certain thing or something the Lord wants for you. How are you going to know? You're not going to know until. An opportunity from the Lord comes your way that he wants you involved with, but you've already got something going on with somebody else. How are you going to know if you really love the Lord? You're going to know at times like that. How, now, I, gosh, I wish we had time. I read again where God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, your son, whom you lovest. That's how it's read in Genesis chapter 22. He said, see, Isaac was the promised child that God promised him. After 100 years, he had, he, him and Sarah got pregnant. It was a miracle. And now God said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, whom you love. I want you to give him to me. I want you to take him up in a certain place. God showed him a certain place. And I want you to sacrifice him there for me. As far as I can tell in Scripture, Abraham didn't even bat an eyelash. Now, we, we just have, we have a new baby in our family. Judah Benjamin. And, um, no, not me and Carla. Just want you to make that clear. Uh, <laughs> Judah Benjamin is on the scene. And just looking at that kid and just seeing DJ and Rachel toward that kid, how precious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see why. You could almost love a child more than God just by seeing that child. And it's like, it's like, wow, it's like, Lord, this is overwhelming. This is amazing. And you have to keep yourself in check at times and go, but Lord, you know what? As much as I love this child, I love you because I know this child came from you. And I know, you know, I mean, you're greater than all. And the interesting thing that the Lord told Abraham to sacrifice what Abraham loved. And it's so interesting because... 
Abraham didn't even bat an eyelash, took his son and said, come on, son, we're going to go worship. And I just almost cried when I read it today because I could just picture Isaac, you know, a young child going, hey, dad, where's the ram? Where's the sheep? And Abraham had to say, son, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb or a ram. And Abraham knows this whole time it's his son. And he goes up. This is this blows me away. No wonder he's called the friend of God. No wonder Abraham is called the father of faith. And he took him up to that mountain. He didn't even bat an eyelash. He tied up his son. I'm wondering for sure. So I'm going, Dad, what are you doing? I probably freaked him out. Tied him up, got a knife, put him on the altar. And I mean, he's going like this in an angel's voice just booms from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham, stop. He said, and God said, now I know, man, I know. He said, I, I see your commitment. I see your, your faith and I see your trust here. And God said, oh, because of that, you're going to get some blessings nobody else ever got. Look at the stars. That's how many kids you're going to have. Look at this. I'm going to give you the entire earth. Look at this. This is your land. I mean, God started pronouncing these amazing blessings because of Abraham's trust and commitment to God in putting him first. Sometimes I think, you know, wow, what if God ever asked me to give up a movie that I was all ready to go to or a vacation, you know, that we had planned or, or, you know, what if he told me to go to a church service and, and we had all these other things going on? What, man, if you really realize what putting God first is all about, you won't even hesitate about in those things. I think the problem has been wrapped up in the title of our message, and that is understanding first what it is and what it means if we really go for it. Uh, things I'm talking to you about tonight, you're going to be glad I talked to you about when you're in heaven. There's so much opposition to this in this world. There's so much interference from the enemy and flesh and lust and the worldliness and your own being, not some of your soul rebelling against it. But let's stand up before I keep preaching. (laughs) Okay. Well, Father, we're so thankful tonight to be here again. We, We thank you for your word. Thank you for provoking our thoughts. Thank you for stirring us up on the inside. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. So I feel like the Lord wanted me to say, so you understand he's not saying hate your father and mother in the sense we think hate today in America with the English language. He's just saying this will be be an area that you'll probably have to be most on guard for because it's an area that God wants you operating in love in. Does that make sense? This is, this is one of the things that you have to be really on guard for because it's one of the areas that you're supposed to love in. But the problem is when you love more than the Lord. That's the problem. 